I love how I think all of my recordings start with me laughing at you not being able to record. And what? There we go. Okay, I'm recorded. I'm yawning one last time. <sighs> Damn it! Wow. Hmm. Ugh. I get better being up late and talking. Yeah. Um. But welcome to another episode of Avatar: The Last Podcast. Woo! Welcome. I realize we introduced that episode like this every episode, except for the one or two where we didn't have a title yet, and I'm like 90% sure that in my final mix of this, I'm probably going to put in a little, like, mini intro piece with just like a, hey, welcome to the show with Ryan and Drew, and like, so every episode will start with that little automatic, like, I'll just copy and paste it in kind of thing, mm-hmm. because we don't always introduce ourselves, and it's having the title consistency, uh, so us introducing the show like this is always really weird and redundant. You know what? It's better to do that. Um, yeah, it's probably just better to do that. Yeah, and I feel like some of the podcasts I do follow kind of do that also. Yeah. Um, I, I, I love how it feels like I'm stalling almost because I don't want to talk about the episode. Oh yes, it's we 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 reached the the episode. I've, I've you know I know we mentioned it a few times. It's funny because we're talking about the Great Divide, and for those of you who have watched the show, you know, you or you may know, sort of the the reputation that this episode carries. If you haven't watched it, or if you're maybe not too familiar, uh, the Great Divide is commonly not not universally, but commonly regarded as the weakest episode in the entire series. Um, yeah. My notes for this episode are quite sparse. I mean, so are mine. Even the notes I did take and things the episode tries to do really just miss the mark of the show. Yeah, yeah, it does. And it's funny because between our last recording and uh, and this one, uh, a Reddit thread came up on the Ask Reddit subreddit, which is yeah. what is your least favorite episode of your favorite show? So, what was one of the top answers? <laughs> it was. It was this. Was it the Great Divide? Yeah, it was. Um, that is amazing. I wow, I gotta go look up that post now. That sounds yeah. like really fun. I don't remember when it's from, but I, I will say, watching the episode just now, or or just pre prior to uh, starting our recording, it's not so much the episode is bad. It's it's an okay episode. It's just because all the other episodes, or just about every other episode, is so strong. It, it looks yeah, worse this one, in comparison. Yeah, this one tends to just have a really weak premise. It has very blunt and minimal development of characters. Like this, I, I picked out things I did like because there are some redeeming qualities in this episode. Yes, but I feel like I think my favorite piece of every episode is always kind of coming down to the what the lesson was, which is kind of the most childish aspect of the show. Is the like. And in the end, we learned our lesson, kids, and the lesson was... But it is a... And every kid watching could answer us. But this episode really yeah. misses the mark with both examples that set forward. Yeah, that's it. It's just... I don't know. I, I want to talk about one point that I wanted to make a little bit later. Maybe when we get to the other episode that we're going to bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, but... It's, yeah, we're doing that thing where we we like we we take we have things to talk about, but we'll get to them eventually. Let's just jump right into it and try to get into them. Yeah, well, uh, as usual, would you enjoy reading the much briefer descriptions this time around? Yes. So it's a uh, book one, episode eleven, the Great Divide. While crossing a canyon on foot, Aang has to mediate between two tribes, the Zhangs and the Ganjins, who have been feuding for almost one hundred years. 
After sending Appa to the other side with the sick and elderly, they become trapped in the canyon when their Earthbender guide's arms are broken. So, th- yeah. this is... <laughs> can, we just, can we just really quickly on that one? He breaks both his arms? Yeah. What? That's a little heavy. It is. I, I find that it's interesting, this, this episode description, we get into the last, like, ten words of this description before you actually get past the first five minutes of the episode so, so the last like 20 minutes of the episode are summarized in half a sentence um yeah it is kind of true weird it, it's it's weird you know I, I just don't have that many notes for this episode um the premise sort of covers a lot of it um what i will say is let's just go through what we liked about this episode and what what is shown in this episode that what does make it i guess somewhat significant is this is ang's first real test in terms of being like the great mediator because yeah it it introduces that role i mean we've kind of had this role of him being like a guide or a savior but here we really have him being the mediator or just solving people's problems and the episode starts off very cleanly with him solving two problems that are actually solved really well Mm -hmm. very fairly and i think ultimately show that i think the ideas are kind of show that it can be too simple sometimes yeah and we don't necessarily see the final result of each of these. They're just really brief examples of, well, you're complaining he does this job wrong, and she's complaining you do this job wrong. Switch jobs and do them right. Oh, you guys want to you know, fight over this fruit? I'll give you this much and you this much because he's that much bigger than you and you are. Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess that kind of works. Like, those are really simple problems with really simple solutions. But, I mean, he does come up with them pretty fairly and easily. Yeah. Two things to that. I like what you said with um, there's two sides. He... It is sort of a way to show, like, you know, yes, there's a disagreement. It doesn't mean one person is bad and one person is good. It's they both... Yeah, or right and wrong or whatever term you want to use. Yeah, it's they, they both see things differently. And yeah. you sort of, in these first two little mini, very, very mini conflicts, obviously Aang sort of solves them with a smile, a little bit of, a little bit of humor. It's like, haha, you know dusts his hands off like job done i'm the he even makes a little cheeky comment like you know just another day in the life of the avatar solving problems he's he's having he's having fun with it he is and then he comes to this and he thinks oh well you know let's just all work together and he realized that maybe it's not always as easy as just sort of suggesting everyone work together because this is such a deep-seated hatred between these two Mm -hmm. groups it just doesn't work, and Aang actually loses his patience uh, partway through the episode. Yeah, there's a few moments, too. I mean, when they... I mean, we'll... we'll I don't know if we need to pussyfoot around the entire episode, but, like, when he realizes that both parties have lied and smuggled food in, and that's why they've been in this big mess. Yeah. Uh, introducing us to the canyon... Uh, canyon crawlers. Canyon crawlers. Those things are creepy. I do not like them. They are basically giant spiders. No. We're done with them. They're gone forever. No more. Yeah, I, exactly. And we visual veto. <laughs> They're out of my show. Uh, I this 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 uh this tidbit I took from actually the Reddit thread that we talked about earlier. Uh, you do also see in this episode that when your arms are broken, you can't bend, which I guess is sort of goes without saying. But you know, he actually outwardly says it. You know, my arms are broken. I can't bend. And we're stuck here. Well, I think it's interesting. I think that's specific. he's saying he can't bend, 
without his arms. I would I would argue that there are probably benders out there who maybe don't use their arms or use their legs. I mean, we've seen uh, fire bending with kicks. True. So I can understand maybe as an earthbender doing your usual tasks without your arms, probably not an option, but I'm willing to argue there are probably some benders and maybe the fewer uh, who don't necessarily need their arms, especially in other elements where maybe it isn't as hands-on or manual labor-y as earthbending. Uh, I, could see, I could see waterbending maybe being more like just fluid body motion versus specifically your arms. Yeah, that's fair. We also meet the um, combustion man uh, later who just like fire bends with that weird hole in his head. Um, oh, I forgot about yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, that's a weirdo. Yeah. There's um, also a character who does that in uh, The Legend of Korra, I believe. But uh, again, that's, that's in the future. Yeah. <laughs> So, continuing one of my favorite trends is the, you have told me there is a voice actor coming up, which of course we are going to get to in the next episode, yep. but I found one in this episode that was quite interesting as well. Oh, really? Uh, the scout who the, um, what are the two tribes called? I'm going to pull the notes up again here because I don't have the any Zhangs. There's the Zhangs and the, the Ganjin. Zhang, the Ganjins. Yeah. The Ganjin sends someone ahead for them, the scout. Yeah. Uh, he is voiced by the uh, actor whose name I've actually forgotten, I should go look it up, but he voices Robin in the Teen Titans, both the new series and a lot of the older series of Robin. Oh. That's I mean, fun. I, think, I don't know I his name either. Like going back to like some of the more recent and uh, some of the older DC animated series with Batman, wherever Robin was introduced, he has been the voice of Robin for quite some time. Huh. I did not know that. Uh, I, I... Which is also kind of funny when you think about who we'll get to in the next episode. Yes, I'm, I'm guessing you have figured out uh, who I've been alluding to. Yes, I was looking up another voice in that episode because I thought I recognized somebody, which I was wrong, and it was the obvious glaring one on the IMDb list that made me go, oh, and then as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, yes. Yeah. But we'll, we'll leave that till that episode because I really wanted yeah. to dig in that a little bit. Yeah, well, I don't think we have a whole lot more to say about this episode. We could sort of sum it up, like sort of how this ends. I mean... It's pretty much two pers- two different perspectives of the same story. We never really figure out what exactly happened, and you know, uh, pretty much to 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 explain the Zhangs and the Ganjins have two different perspectives of the same origin story of their feud, and they both see that story in their rights. The other tribe wronged them, and that's just a hundred years of hatred and feuding. And then Aang sort of comes but, in, and he's like, wait a minute, no, that's exactly, this is what happened. Uh, I was there, yeah, but, the, you know. The most BS story. Like, I genuinely, like, this is, I, before we get to the other thing I want to bring up, I'm going to genuinely harp on this, because we have, in the past, I mean, we've literally had the moment with Boomy where we have a, oh, 112 years ago, when I was around and you guys weren't, here's a thing I have knowledge of. They could have just made a true story. Like, he could have just been, yes, I knew them. They were kids. It was a game we played. Yeah. And you've just taken the story completely out of context. They could have just done that, and that would have been fine. Why does it have to be a lie? Yeah. Like, if you just nullify that entire plot point, you just basically cut that scene out and show this to anybody else? Yeah, it's a very silly answer. It's very cartoonish, which is totally fine for a kid's show. Mm -hmm. But it ultimately solves their problem resolves their feud, proves the Avatar can do good, in this case a little bit of Deus Ex Machina and the whole, yes. oh, by pure luck I was there, 
But I would rather a deus ex moment of like, what are the odds? I knew these two kids. Yeah. Versus the, no, I just lied to get what I wanted, which is a terrible lesson. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little cheeky at the end. Um, I, I would agree. It just, I think what I take issue with more is that just, aside from Aang, yeah, sort of having to mediate a feud that was a bit tougher than Sokka versus Katara, just no one really gains in this episode. Like, Sokka's the same, Katara's the same, Aang is the same. We don't see Zuko at all, right? It's just... Nope, no Zuko. I don't know, it's, it really is the definition of a filler episode, and honestly... If someone was watching this and, and had limited time, I would say you can you can skip this one. Yeah, there's nothing gained. Like I can I can live with an episode where maybe the world changes, where we just sort of get a simple point across in some little way, but we actively do more harm than good in the moral of this episode. Yeah. Um something I've been noticing a lot, and I think I've brought up in a few episodes, I can specifically recall in the episode with um the island of Kyoshi how very often the way that Aang will solve the Monster of the Week problem is by tying into the main theme. So in this case, I think what they were trying to do was they were compromising with the canyon crawlers mm-hmm. at to use them as an escape route and then in turn giving them food. But it seemed, I think that's what they were trying to get across. Like, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah. But... Being the viewer, it really just seems like, oh, you've captured these poor creatures and tricked them into doing your bidding, and then tricked them to go back into the hole by throwing all the food over the cliff. You've literally enslaved them, and then tricked them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like... I get that the idea was supposed to be like, oh, hey, they're not evil, they just want food. Let's partner with them, escape the hole, and then we'll give them the food they so longingly desire and repay them for the service they offered, which... I feel like they, if had they just not been like, oh, capture them, had Aang taken the food, offered to them, it had eaten the food, and acted all like, ooh, look at me, I'm a cute puppy dog now, like, you fed me and I like you, mm-hmm. and then having them offer a ride up the cliff, which easily, in the context of the show, could have been done without anyone batting an eye, because we've seen creatures turn bow and be good when need be, or... yeah. You know, come to the aid when they realize that they're on the same side. Especially, and then another moment of, oh, we reached a compromise by dealing with our differences and finding our common ground. Yeah, especially with the Avatar being like the ally of nature and and all live all uh living beings. I I I, uh, I agree with that. I, I should also yeah, amend yeah. what I was saying earlier is that I guess if you want to understand one throwaway joke two seasons later then yeah you should watch this episode but otherwise pretty um, much uh the one thing this episode does have i will before we move on i will give this episode one thing i did like about it like genuinely liked sure and it's going back to the my favorite segment drew notices things about the design language of the show Uh, very very obvious one is that when we're getting the retold stories of their their past they are being animated in this very over-the-top way. Yeah. Uh, especially the Zangs, where it's, like, incredibly cartoony and over-the-top and looks like a manga from the 80s. Like, it's ridiculous. But if you even compare the uh, the Gajins, mm-hmm. theirs is very prim, proper, thin lines, beautiful art strokes. They really put a little extra effort into these two art styles to help signify the clean aesthetic, the pure 
the the animation was very tidy, almost still frame animation. There was no like sloppiness. Right. Whereas theirs was like sloppy and noodly and moving, and there was like scratchy lines and like things didn't like didn't like line up in size properly. The shading was weird, but it really emphasized both clan styles. And even when we go back to Ang's final story, it's not super obvious at first, but if you do give it a proper notice. The art style is again a third different art style. Yeah. That kind of compromises the two of them. If it's clean lines, but very cartoony color, like the kids' heads are really big. Mm-hmm. Uh, objects are like drawn a little out of proportion and kind of like, like I really notice when the goalposts get drawn in, they're like big and like cartoony, but don't look over the top. It kind of has combined both their art styles of being like prim and proper, but still like very cartoony and exaggerated. Yeah, that's it. I think another reason... That was my really big, long run-on chunk of... They did one cool thing in this episode. I'll give them that. There you go. I think think one thing I also didn't like about this episode is... Mm -hmm. Back when it was routinely showing on Nickelodeon, every time there was a rerun, it just happened to be this episode... So not oh, only <laughs> not only is it a weak episode, it just was constantly on, or at least maybe it's confirmation bias, but it seemed like that was the only episode they played in reruns. Um, but if we are going to move on to the next episode, one thing I want to say that I want to say earlier, and then I decided to delay until we made it to the, I guess, transition point, is yes. one reason maybe this episode is such a filler is that the next episode is so backstory heavy. Yes, I I kind of see that. I think like I was watching the second episode again, being one that I really really forgot. Like I have virtually no memory of it. I think I may have almost missed it in my first watch through because it doesn't ring yeah much of a bell. Like I feel like it's kind of a weird thing to say, but I've had it happen before when you're watching shows after they've already aired through whatever means you can find them in reruns and borrowing VHS right. from friends or whatever internet means you have at your disposal when you were like thirteen or whatever old I was when I watched it. I I know in the past on certain shows, episodes just get eaten up and lost, and you kind of just go, oh, whatever, I'll move on to the next one. I'm sure I won't miss anything. That's it. I think I missed this episode, but I did want to go back, because I think it's a really funny phenomenon, and I almost want to like bring it to an Ask Reddit and see if anyone has one of those also. Yeah. Is, like, almost every show I watched, like, regularly, I can remember, not necessarily what episode it was, but that there was an episode that played every single time it was on. Yeah, well, it... like I like I to this day still don't watch South Park. I dislike the show mm-hmm. because every time I watched it, I got the same episode every time. Like I, my parents would be like, "Oh, tonight you can watch South Park." And I was like, "Oh my god, what a great gift!" <laughs> my parents let me watch the show that I'm supposed to watch the teen as a kid, and I got like the same episode like 14 damn times, and it was always the stupid one with Towley. Oh, Towley! <laughs> as much as I appreciate him as a character now. It was a pretty boring episode and was really bad, and I've seen it too many times. And I feel like a lot of shows, like The Simpsons, I can remember seeing it a lot. Magic School Bus, Rugrats. I can picture like that episode that I've seen a thousand times because it was always on. Yeah, yeah, no, I feel you. Uh, I'll read the description of... Uh... Yes, let's move on to a much more fun and much more exciting episode. Yeah, there's a lot more to it. So, book one, episode 12, The Storm. While a storm approaches, Aang tells Katara why he ran away from the Air Temple 100 years prior. Meanwhile, on Zuko's ship, Iroh tells the crew the tale of how the prince received his scar and was banished from the Fire Nation. So, that that gives away a little bit of what's in this episode. And so maybe, 
maybe just having two episodes in a row that were significant plot development or at least backstory development maybe that was sort of the equivalent of of giving us a rest in the great divide and then sort of like okay get ready for this and even jet the episode before the great divide was a bit of a heavier episode so maybe they just need a little cool down period yeah i i almost like want to believe that either the episode with jet or more likely this episode was meant to be a two-parter because they are really intense episodes and they maybe were written as two-parters and then when they realized they were kind of short, had to kind of quickly throw together an episode to put in the middle, and the Great Divide happened. I feel like it would have to be this one. Maybe they wanted to do Aang and Zuko's backstories separately, but then realized that the present day part of these ep- of this episode didn't have enough to it, and that they could mm-hmm. really actually just condense it into one without losing anything, and yeah, but oh, Nickelodeon wants 20 episodes, so here, here's the Great Divide. <laughs> yeah so that maybe like I, i'd be curious to, like talk to like the, some of the showrunners and staff and see if any of them agree with us on the great divide or like regret it or have any other comments like i'd love to get that kind of insider oh they do one day if uh, one of the final episodes in the series in fact the, the episode just before the, the finale four-parter it's it's a play uh, without going into too much it's a play that's sort of like oh a, yeah you brought it up before yeah, yeah they make the joke exactly they make the joke so i i feel at least they acknowledge that the episode is not well received True, but true. here, let, let's firmly move on from the Great Divide um, yes. and put it in in the rear view. Um, I, I like actually how they paralleled Aang and Zuko's backstories and how they both sort of come from difficulty and come from mm-hmm. uh, a place of struggle. And, and obviously Aang feels very guilty for having run away, but at the same time, you just see the immense amount of pressure that... Um, that was put on him they even said like we usually don't tell you until you're 16 but yeah those monks were really like just i mean i i get it was exaggeration for the sake of the show yeah but like come on like he's a kid like just gyoza being like just give him a chance like let him be a kid all decide when he's training and when he's having fun or getting his butt kicked uh by show uh, i just genuinely think was like almost like disney-esque like evil stepmothers like they weren't just bad they were evil yeah yeah um but yeah his i i even i even brought up at this point like re- again like kind of my realization that maybe i've missed this episode until now i like i know like looking in my backstory knowledge of the series yeah ang ran away from the air temple because he was the avatar but i forgot up until this point they never really addressed it there never really was a Oh yeah, why were you in the middle of the ocean frozen in a ball of ice when you should have been to the air temple? Like it's sort of just not ever really questioned because no one ever really thinks it has anything to do with anything. Well, that's it. That's it. I, I, it, it. It is interesting that no one ever really asked about it. I think Aang himself was a little ashamed. Um, mm-hmm. But it came out and it's a little dark, you know, seeing all those kids in the flashback knowing that they're dead. They're all dead. I mean, yes, it's a hundred years later, but they probably weren't particularly old when they were wiped out. Um, yeah, but even the weird, like special needs Airbender, that was really weird and inappropriate. Yeah, yeah, but well, you know. <laughs> and sign of the times. Uh, I actually found Zuko's uh part of the story to be a little more interesting. 
just because I think he sort of knew that Aang ran away to an extent. Like, yeah, it's like, why are you there? It's never really told until now. But I imagine he did sort of allude to sort of like, I never really wanted to be the Avatar. I don't, you know, he's always been a little angsty. Uh, and Zuko, you get some allusions to it also in previous episodes, but now he's sort of like getting into arguments with his crew, and finally it's Iroh who sort of comes through and says, yeah, he's kind of a dick, but he has a pretty good reason to be. And I guess we could just say it now, this is when we sort of meet Fire Lord Orzai again, and uh, I guess you figured out that it's Mark Hamill, and... Yeah, which I thought was kind of interesting, because he plays the Joker, and on many occasions has killed Robin. So it was a kind of a weird choice of casting one episode after the other. Yeah. But again, another moment of an amazing actor who is so beloved as Luke Skywalker and once again is playing a great villain in another series. Yeah. Yeah, well, exactly. I always find that so interesting that whenever he's, whenever he's on camera, good guy, whenever he's a voice, villain. Uh, at least for the majority of his roles, which was a few examples here and there that I might be wrong about, but that is a very generalization. Uh, but yeah, like one of those voices where like, had I not looked it up, I might have not caught it in the two lines he gets all episode, maybe three lines. Yeah. He, he doesn't but, have a huge speaking role in this particular episode. Yeah, Obviously he speaks but, more later. Oh, such a good voice. Oh my God. I wish I had that voice. I believe, um, um, I don't remember where or what exactly was said, but I believe that they formulated Ozai's personality around a Mark Hamill-esque villain. And then they got him to yeah. voice it, so it's, it worked out really well. No, that makes perfect sense. Um, and yeah, you're right, like, just to kind of go back, I, 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 let you, I let you run for a while there, I didn't jump in when I wanted to as much. No, that's fine. But, uh, you're right, I think Aang's story, again, is a nice it's a nice story, it's a good redemption arc of him realizing that what he did was wrong, and that he again, is seeing the repercussions to his actions being gone for 100 years, but then also seeing that uh, kind of that Destiny-esque moment of, like, but I feel like it was meant to be, like, now is when the world needs you more. Like, back then, you would have been a beacon and probably snuffed out. Yeah. Or, actually, it says kill with your people, which is a little harsh. But, again, if we go about everything happens for a reason, which is kind of, pretty normal in this universe with the whole destiny and futures thing mm -hmm. uh it is nice seeing that like yeah this happened for a reason you had to go away for 100 years so you can come back now when the world really truly needed you the avatar yeah exactly and to a more episode specific extent you know you have the parallel when they go underwater and mm -hmm. ang's like no i'm not letting this happen again and he lifts everyone out uh so it's uh, that that in itself also i wrote i just wrote redemption at, at a certain point but i know it's it was in that moment so he had the uh ability and he had the sort of like i this is my chance to sort of make up for it and and by the end of the episode ang sort of is accepting like yeah i still i think he still kind of feels bad but he does yeah. accept that this is what maybe needed to happen yeah, the interaction with the fisherman where he does ask for, like, you know, forgiveness and, or not even forgiveness, but goes like, I agree, he's right, I was gone, I ran away, I made a mistake, but I'm gonna make up for it now, I'm gonna redeem myself, is just a really nice moment. Yeah. Um, something else that I didn't even think about till right now, again, my, I love tying weird little things together, is 
we essentially see him activate the exact same ability when he's in that avatar state of the orb underwater. But rather than self-preservation, the goal is helping others. Yes. So we see that even in the avatar state, his inner turmoil is what takes over. His inner emotion takes over. So we have him running away to save himself and isolate himself and get away from the people who want to like take control of him. He literally isolates himself into a little ball for 100 years, whereas here he's doing it to save the people that matter to him, whether it be his family or a fisherman who happens to be with them, who is also really just, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he uses that same power to save them all, get them out of there into safety. Um, and we almost kind of get the same thing on Zuko's side, where we kind of get this idea of like, oh, Zuko doesn't care. He only has his own goals in mind and he's self-centered and selfish to find out that the reason he's been expelled, the reason that he's been cast out and scarred for life was because he put the life, he put his probably the best sort of word this, sorry he showed that he cared more about his people than the respect of his father which of course, in the moment of fighting his father and begging forgiveness because he's a kid and it's his father we kind of don't see it as much. Yeah. The father casts him out. And even those in the moments where, you know, it's put your money where your mouth is, it's actions speak louder than words. His actions are, let me save my crew and let's leave the avatar. Let's get this boat to safety. Yeah. That's, that's definitely where I wanted to go with that is that this flashback episode really gives you a more three dimensional look at, at Zuko. Like, yeah, he is still an antagonist relative to Aang and Katara and Sokka, but you learn that Zuko actually does have some humanity to him, which is not often how the Fire Nation is depicted. Like, obviously, Iroh is, is you know, the wise old man, uh, but Zuko had always been sort of, you know, not, not, not Fire Lord level, not, you know, Zhao uh, or any other antagonist they faced. But, you know, brash, um, a little, yeah, hard-headed, stubborn, and obviously... Oh, no, I said hot-headed. I was looking oh. for the bad pun. Oh, whoops. Okay. <laughs> I misheard, but... <laughs> it's all good. I'm sorry. Like you said, yeah, he wants, you know, once they suggested getting the young recruits pretty much to send them off to die, Zuko trying yeah. to put a stop to that or speaking out against it, um, and then paralleled to present day where... Zuko goes and puts himself in danger to save uh, save one of his crew members. It sort of, I guess, leads to that understanding. Um, a little redemption for Zuko. A mini redemption, I guess you could say, because we never really saw that type of humanity from Zuko before. Like, obviously, yeah, his own, he loves his uncle, but never really to anybody else did Zuko show that yeah, much compassion I mean, before. Little, like, they kind of joked it in the first two-parter episode when he... Uh... Like, let's get this boat dug out and go after the uh, the Avatar and then turns on yeah. frozen and ice and goes after we deal with that. Like, that he's still, like, as much as it's kind of, like, community, like, obviously we have to thaw them out of the ice before we can use them as, you know, men on our ship. But he's still saying, like, obviously take care of our men, then we'll go after the Avatar. Yeah. Um, little throwaway moment that happened also uh, during the storm. Mm -hmm. uh, Iro lightning bended. Yeah, I have that written down with four exclamation marks. I'm not even kidding. I have four. I'm counting. Um, <laughs> I think it's a very rudimentary version yes. of lightning bending, which I've already mentioned we're going to see more of. I'm excited about it. Was, I love the idea of bending outside of the element itself. In, 
like tangentially. In this case, but... um, it wasn't so much a lightning bend as a weapon. It was more of a lightning bend as a means of survival or like. I mean, it was of... almost more literal. He literally bent the lightning out of the way of the ship. Yeah, that's it. It was like it was very, very literal bending. Uh, and then kind of a little, like, staticky hair, beard afterwards, kind of a cute irony moment. It's his little bit of comedy he gives. Yeah, this isn't the lightning uh, bending that we'll see, uh, later on in the show. But I still think it was a really fun moment, and I feel like if I don't get to it now, you probably have it written down as your next line, and that is the Avatar Brings Hope. Yeah. That is such a powerful line that is used so well in this episode in both their backstories of the Avatar is meant to bring hope to people. You are a beacon of hope. You are now the beacon of hope. You were the beacon of hope and you were gone for 100 years. All the way back to Zuko's story of the Avatar gives him hope for as long as he can go after the Avatar and catch him, there is a chance for him to redeem himself in his father's eyes. Yeah, it's interesting how... He is very literally the beacon of hope in so many different levels. Yeah, well, the be- the literal beacon that lit up uh, when he returned oh, to the true. world, yeah, right? Literal, literal. Um, that's it. Like, the Avatar represents hope. It's such a weird turnabout way, in Zuko's case, to mm-hmm. think of it. But it literally is that. And then to see Zuko sort of let the Avatar go in order to keep his crew and his ship safe. And you sort of get that stare down between them at the very end of the episode, which almost is like sort of, all right, they were sort of together in the storm, thus their flashbacks were happening sort of simultaneously, and now they've come apart again. Yeah. And thus ending um, sort of the story of this episode. Yeah. Again, uh, you're again an episode where not much happens in the present. It really is just a... There's the whole, like, there is a storm coming, no one believes, some people, some people believe it's coming, some don't, and look at that, there is a storm, surprise, the dream, the old lady's bones, and, uh, I can't remember why Iroh thinks there's a storm coming, he just knows because he's Iroh. Yeah, he's just, he's just (laughs) all-knowing. Damn it, Iroh and his all-knowing magic. Um... No, but it really is just a, a really beautiful backstory. It is a really nice, like, package with a bow, a really just a neatly tied, beautifully presented in, uh, gift. I love the way they use the line of the Avatar gives hope. Uh, and again, to kind of tie it back to what you were saying, um, a lot of tying in this metaphor I'm using, apparently. Yeah. Um, sorry. Is that, yeah, he lets the Avatar go to save his men, but it's almost like, it's not a matter of catching the Avatar. It's knowing that they're on his trail that gives him hope. Sure. The hope is to eventually catch him, and the hope is this will redeem himself in his father's eyes. But just knowing that they're on the right path, the Avatar is within grasp, they're on the right trail, he's still out there, he hasn't suddenly died or mysteriously vanished or been captured by somebody else, mm-hmm. he still has hope. That's it. That's it. So, I mean, I don't know what this episode says for people thinking of Zuko, like, he's still quite firmly a a, a quote-unquote bad guy, but he's not, like, he's not this pure entity of evil that some of the other antagonists of the show have been painted out to be. And so... No, we're truly just getting uh, a, a decent backstory. We're getting history. We're kind of seeing that, like, you know, we've, without being able to... You've had to assume a lot of these things. Oh, he was banished... Oh, he's a renegade. Oh, he's after the Avatar. 
there must be malicious intent in all of these things because the Fire Nation's evil. And we're just slowly breaking down those walls of like, oh no, he's, he wants the Avatar, but to redeem himself. Oh, he was kicked out of the Fire Nation and was like a jerk, but he was trying to, you know, stand up against people who wanted to hurt innocent people. Exactly. Like, oh, okay, so like he's the bad guy, but he doesn't always just do bad things. He can be the bad guy and still do good things in a way. It's, and I feel like for at this date, at the time of the show's airing and the time of other shows around this area and this time period, I, I can imagine kids seeing this for the first time, or even adults like us seeing it for the first time, not necessarily expecting those kind of revelations in a character that was meant to be the antagonist. Yeah, and I think it's important that they sort of feed us piece by piece. I think it's good that the showrunners didn't sort of be like, oh, you know, Aang and them hate Zuko. Oh, but Zuko's just misunderstood. Like, I, I like that they're sort of feeding us pieces that we learn yeah. more about Zuko's view. Because I think, just again, taking into account this is, above all else, a children's show, I, I think the idea of there being shades of gray is already a very adult concept, and I think it takes time mm-hmm. to digest that. So I think it, yes. it was good that we... And also, of course, it made for more interesting television. It made more sense, like... Just the way well, it's done. It also done lets it him remain the villain. Yes, exactly. Because there still needs to be a, a conflict. There still needs to be a, yeah, a motivation. Like, even knowing what we know right now, if the next episode he shows up and he's like, oh, I want the Avatar and firebend this and I'll throw some sand in your eyes, sock out because I'm a jerk. Yeah. We're not going to be like, oh, but they just, if they would just talk, he's still like, no, he's the bad guy. Dang, kick his butt. Let's go. Appa, yip, yip, away. Exactly. Um, which does actually, for some reason, remind me of one of my favorite throwaway jokes in these two episodes, which was uh, when Sokka wants to discuss his dream where food <laughs> eats people, and Momo could talk. You said some really hurtful things. Yeah. <laughs> and Momo just gives another like, head, head, cock head look. I just thought... Oh my oh. god. It's... Again, I, I, I was... Uh, my wife was watching with me today, she was playing on her phone while we were watching, and she was just like... That moment where you laugh out loud and she looks at you like, whatever. And I'm just like, it's cute. It's meant to be a kid show, but it's cute. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, I guess with that, we kind of wrapped up these two episodes neatly. One episode, not so good. Shall we forget mm-hmm. whatever happened and just move on with our lives? Yep. And another episode that was fairly, fairly fantastic. Yeah, a very important episode, this, this uh, second one. Probably why our, our, mm-hmm. our recording today is a bit shorter than usual because just one episode there really isn't that much to talk about yeah and the second episode as good as it is and as much as we learn from it there isn't a massive amount to discuss it's really the cards are on the table there's no like hidden behind the scenes messages to get to it really is a straightforward episode yeah with a lot of feel exactly so yeah this will happen from time to time some episodes will be a little shorter a little bit easier yep uh but that will let us I'm thinking too, like, the way I was saying at the beginning, we'll do like a pre recorded bit about like our intro. I think we may even go back and do some pre recorded bits at the end about corrections and updates and comments and feedback if and when those things happen. So they're a little more timely. Yes. Um, but on that note, we will say our goodbyes. As usual, we will shout out our Twitter handle so you can find us to tell us what we are wrong about or what other things you want us to know about. Oh, yeah. Uh, I am at Boxless Thought. Ryan, you are? At, at Ryan W. I must note, though, this is an audio format and we are several miles apart. 
I am pointing to my left as if I were pointing at a co-host when I said your name. <laughs> I don't know why and why I'm still doing it. Um, yes, uh, but let us know what you think. If you have any uh, details we've overlooked, anything you want us to know about. Or if you disagree. Uh, did we miss if you, anything? Do you disagree with if us? If you have you an argument. Go, yep, everything was fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. Let me know. We take praise. Uh, if you want to say, if you if you want to plead your case for the Great Divide being a, a good episode, I will hear it. Yeah, honestly, if I could find a fan of that episode, I would love to know what about it you like, because I'm open. Yep, absolutely. And on that note, we will say good evening, good, good night, evening, or whatever. Good, e good morning, bye, ciao.